0: Welcome back to the program. My name is Alan Carter. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with me today. Russia is pressing its invasion of Ukraine to the outskirts of the capital. It comes a day after Russia unleashed airstrikes on cities and military bases, sending in troops and tanks from three sides. This attack could rewrite the entire global post-Cold War security order. Explosions sounding before dawn in Kyiv. Gunfire reported in the city center today. Western leaders holding an emergency leading after Ukraine's president again pleaded for international help to fend off this attack. NATO Secretary General John Stoltenberg opening, opening a meeting me, with the Prime Minister, our Prime Minister plus the US President and other leaders this morning with this statement. Moscow bears sole responsibility for the deliberate cold-blooded and long planned invasion. We condemn Russia's aggressions in the strongest possible terms and call on Russia to immediately cease its military action. Meanwhile, the Russian military claims it's destroyed 118 Ukrainian military assets since the beginning of the assault. However, the Defense Secretary of the United Kingdom, Ben Wallace, has rejected those claims.
1: Our assessment, as of this morning, is that Russia has not taken any of its major objectives. In fact, it is behind its hoped-for
0: timetable. They've lost over 450 personnel. On the line with me now, Joel Willett, CEO of Ceres Defense, which is a U.S. defense contractor. He's a former CIA officer and served on the National Security At the White House during the Obama administration. Welcome to the program, Joel. What do you make of sanctions so far, especially from the American administration, and how effective they will be?
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Alan. Uh, To the question of sanctions, I think they're absolutely necessary, but I think that that the world needs to view them as punitive at this point. I do not think that sanctions will have um, any deterrent effect. Uh, on Vladimir Putin's actions, uh, you know, and so the sanctions must be just seen in a a punitive framework. And I think that they will cause pain. You did see a massive adjustment in the Russian, uh, both the de- de- the both the dollar denominated index and the ruble denominated index. Yesterday, I think a forty percent drop in both of those. There's been some rebound today. Uh, you know, I'm not a financial markets uh, expert, but I want to uh, maybe shift the thinking away from the broader Russian economy and to how sanctions can influence Putin's behavior going forward. Um, I think that uh, you know attempts to sanction putin personally lavrov per- personally you know i know that the european union is considering that today uh, i don't know that there's really uh, assets that you're going to be able to personally uh, or identify as you know uh, personally in putin's name or lavrov's name but the spirit of those sanctions is correct uh it's the oligarchy um that that must suffer pain Financially, from this, the yachts docked in Portugal and Spain, and you know, entering friendly waters anywhere, probably those governments need to think about means uh, of confiscating those yachts. The visas need to be canceled. Uh, the education programs for the children of Putin's enablers uh, in the West needs to be canceled. Um, so, there's still more to be done. Uh, but again, don't be deluded; it's not going to change Putin's behavior in the short term. A lot of there will be a lot of dead Ukrainians and dead Russians uh, while we debate sanctions.
0: Joel, well, as we look at um, what what is possibly to come, if we assume that the Russian military might will just simply overwhelm the military of Ukraine, um, and Putin is it able to establish some kind of command and control over the country? I mean, what's the next step from there? Installing a puppet government? I mean how how do you see it playing out
1: right and so so putin uh, you know we we've talked a lot over the years about you know his his judo training and his intelligence training and all that and i do think that that he has refused to be pinned down on this um you know what his plans what his intentions are uh, i think we know the worst of his plans and intentions from his delusional speech a few nights back where he, he, he contests the notion that ukraine should even exist Right, or that it has a right to exist, and so we know the most extreme formulations of how this ends in his mind, but that doesn't mean that that's what he's going to do. I think that he has left himself a lot of strategic flexibility here. Uh, you know, he could have gone scorched earth. He could have enabled, you know, uh, an, an Aleppo or Grozny-style attack on Kiev and and you know Mariupol or you know Kharkiv or any of these places. He's not done that yet. I don't think it's because they couldn't, although I do think the resistance has been stronger than expected. Uh, I think it's about you know preserving his options and ability to claim victory, no matter what the developments on the ground are. Um, I do think the government in, in Kyiv is probably on short time at this point. Uh, the Ukrainians are fighting admirably. Um, as the UK defense minister uh, that that you, know, you just uh, aired there um, stated, they probably uh, the Russians haven't achieved any of their day one objectives. Uh, but they'll adjust. There there are more more Russians to be fed, you know, in, into Ukraine. Uh, and without foreign support, uh, as soon as Russia achieves air superiority, air dominance. Um, I think, uh, you know, will be unlimited time. So um, it, it is, a, I think, an uphill battle for the Ukrainians without international support.
0: Speaking with Joel Willett, who is CEO of SARES Defense and a former CIA officer uh, advising on national security in the White House during the Obama administration, how do we or can we ensure that this does not escalate uh, and draw more countries in?
1: Uh, I don't know that it's that the West needs to think of it as our responsibility. I mean, how much more escalated could it get? Vladimir Putin just, you know, marched into a sovereign nation and the crime of that people was self-determination, right? Uh, Putin is a despot. He's come to the rescue of, uh, of oppressive regimes around the globe for the past 10 years because his survival depends on the, you know, those governments continuing to exist and being legitimized in some way. I don't think we need to think of our responsibility necessarily to, to, to de-escalate here. This this type of war and this type of conflict of these breakaway regions and, and you know, Russia sending in peacekeeping troops, it doesn't have to stop in Ukraine. It could happen in any number of other countries. So certainly NATO wants to put up a united defense and, and draw a hard, hard line there uh, and defend, you know, NATO membership in the alliance there. And I, and I think that that, you know, probably will be successful here. Uh, there's going to be a humanitarian crisis, uh, full stop. So I don't know that we can avoid this from, you know, bleeding in uh, to other countries. Um, there's I guess, going I, to be a I guess of I'm talking great,
0: about, you know, a wider conflict that they would see, you know, American forces or Canadian forces on the ground in Europe fighting directly against Russians.
1: Right. I mean, I, I don't. I don't see that happening. Uh, the the White House has been clear that that wouldn't happen. NATO has been clear that that wouldn't happen. I think that, in my own personal formulation of this, that probably should have happened four months ago and would have prevented uh, the developments that we see today. But now that the conflict is hot, I think it is too late for that. So I think you will see the conflict shifting to more um, covert means of, uh, of of fighting back against the Russians rather than overt. Um, Troops on the ground in Ukraine.
0: I've read a number of, you know, historian think pieces in the last couple of days uh, in the Atlantic, for example, and Applebaum, I believe, the historian, saying that you know that you know for the Russian czars and for the Soviets and for Putin uh, that an independent Ukraine is an existential threat. Could you address that just from a geopolitical point of view?
1: Uh, sure, I'm. I think that you know we we often think about Russia's sphere of in- influence or its near abroad, and and you know Putin wants to uh, you know have this framework be accepted globally. You know, no hostile powers in my in my backyard, or no no foreign powers in my backyard. is kind of uh, approach to uh, defining a, a a country's core interest, uh, and so certainly you know that that framework uh, is is advantageous. To Russia but I've been you know for days now I think just on on my soapbox of of trying to fully understand Putin's motivations it it, he he was fine if you reverse if you reverse the timeline into the you know late 90s early 2000s the early days of Putin's reign he did not have these hysterical reactions to NATO he shrugged off the Baltics joining NATO Uh, he had he cooperated with NATO uh, in Afghanistan and and I, I just don't really think that's what's the driving factor uh, of of his decision making or the the uh, decision making the Russian elites. It's self preservation. Um, you know, Russia is a bigger nuclear armed kleptocracy. We've we but we've seen how those regimes behaved. You know, throughout the 21st century, and and I don't think we should fundamentally analyze their choices or behavior uh, differently than you would these other two bit kleptocracies that we've seen.
0: Joel, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Please be well. Thank you. That's Joel Willett. He's the CEO of Ceres Defense, which is a U.S. defense contractor, former CIA CIA officer uh, serving on national security in the White House during the Obama administration. A lot to take in what happened in the last couple of days and what is going to happen in the days ahead. When we come back, We're going to switch up a little bit, talk about going back to the workplace and the elimination of vaccine mandates. Whoa, hey, whoa, hey, hold on there, Sarah. Hold on there, Bob in accounting. Are you vaxxed? Because you look like a bit of a flat earther to me. We'll discuss that when we come back on the Alan Carter Radio Program.